0: In the first two seasons of our podcast, I chatted with Kate Leone, a journalist, single mom, and world traveler. Kate had never taken a self-defense course before, and we figured her questions were probably your questions too. So if you've been following along all along, thanks for listening. You can keep up with Kate on her podcast at RestoriaTherapy.com. For this season, it seemed like a good time to change things up a bit. And The new theme song you're hearing, by the way, is an excerpt from a song called Icarus Wish by Berlin punk trio Dead Sentries, who also happen to be my neighbors, and who are generously letting me use this track, which you can also find on Bandcamp. Anyway, I thought it was time to head out into the world, virtually speaking, and talk to other women and men in the universe of self-defense, self-empowerment, and martial arts. I'm talking to old friends, new acquaintances, and complete strangers. Yes, I do talk to strangers, because I can defend myself. But I might hang up on them too. We'll see. So if you've stuck with us so far, keep listening, keep learning, keep laughing. You never know who we're going to talk to next. Well, I do. Welcome to episode 54 of the Pretty Deadly Podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Miwa Nishiji, the second of our amazing Warrior Women Wednesday artists. Now, I've known Miwa for a long time, and I actually have trained with her. Miwa was born and raised in Japan and has been making Los Angeles her home since the 90s. She's a trained artist and illustrator and, among other things, works as a storyboard artist in Hollywood. She has rolled with the ups and downs of martial arts life for years, but Miwa is the original badass from the dojo I come from. She started back before the mats when everyone was still training on fuzzy cement.
1: I used to live in the apartment in the same block as a dojo okay and when I was passing by and it just caught my attention because in Japanese it says Buge dojo right
0: uh-huh
1: uh, what are the odds that you can actually see something like that I don't even see that kind of sign in Japan it really got my attention and another thing is that the phones that they were using for the sign mm-hmm. it wasn't like a you know kind of funny Asian like um, Hollywood style phone that they use, but that's actually something that they you see in Japan. Uh, It's like this is really interesting.
0: Oh, so you so what drew you to it is that it was at least signage wise, it was very authentic.
1: Uh, yeah, and Mm. it was like an out of nowhere in North Hollywood. This is Mm -hmm. Inbo Ruge Dojo. Right, it just looks so out of place. (laughs) And and then I was just looking into the window and I think it was Jerry opened the door Mm -hmm. and he just told me to come in and look at the class. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how it started.
0: Wow. Were you um, familiar with NIMPO before? Had you heard of it or was Uh, it completely new to you?
1: Well, that I grew up in Japan and I actually live in a place that kind of close to where this whole ninja thing originated. Oh. So you know we know the stories, the movies, uh, the history, the tunes, but then it's it's not like something you find in the real life. Uh huh. You know, and that's why they really got me curious because right in the middle of North Hollywood it says Nibu Brigade Dojo.
0: So when you were growing up in Japan, in this area where this all this ninja stuff kind of started, was it? Was it intriguing to you on some level, like, oh, that would be cool if it was real, or was it just was it just one of those things that was existed always in the background and you didn't really think about it?
1: um it was more like in the background, I suppose, yeah,' um, cause there are a bunch of people that I went to school with that has sort of like a ninja name, family name mhm, yeah, so and then also when you go to your friend's house and Maybe their grandparents have like a bunch of um, old stuff in the storage, like a ninja stars and stuff like that, too. Uh huh. Occasionally. So we know they were there.
0: That's funny. So, but it was like always a part of your life. And then it, and then it showed up as a part of your life in yeah. North Hollywood out of nowhere. Yeah. It just popped up and it's just so strange. Yeah, destiny right. <laughs> what was um what attracted you to it or what what was interesting for you once you started training
1: the thing that um that you don't have to be big and muscular mm-hmm. to do it and you, you didn't really have to be strong either right yeah and the teaching was always like look for some sort of our opening when there's a will then you know we can do it You don't really have to use your strength that much, just like by little movement, right? Yeah, so that's the part that I kind of get me going. It was fun, it was fun.
0: Well, it was always fun training with you. And one of the one I was thinking about this the other day, I remember this one time you and I were training um, Uh this technique called Teodoki, and we were. No one had shown it to us. Maybe Mm -hmm. both of us each had written a note about it, but we couldn't interpret our own notes. Mm -hmm. So we ended up kind of in this weird position and then sort of we were just making such fools of ourselves that actually Sensei Brian, Sensei Alan and Sensei all came over basically just to laugh at us. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Watching us struggle to figure it out and just finding it highly entertaining. Yep, yep. But one of the, one of the things that was always cool about your training, so for people who listen to this, what they don't know is that we train with um, actual manuals with the names of the techniques and we write notes, but you always illustrated yours and rather than writing out words.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. It's just because when I write things down, the next time I open the note, I just don't remember
0: Right, like that story I just told, yeah.
1: Yeah, you can say like put the right hand over the shoulder or something like that. But then Mm -hmm. when I try to do the same thing, I just can't repeat it. Right. Yeah, so I just started making
0: some quick drawings here and there. Right, but you have beautiful illustrations. I mean, quick drawings for you. My drawings were stick drawings. (laughs) Your drawings are like beautiful perspectives with arrows and, you know, 3D and all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, I um, took notes first. Okay, you took notes first. But let's, yeah. let's. I'd like to ask you a bit about your art and and your drawing. Did you go to Los Angeles to study art? Uh, no,
1: not really. I really didn't have any plan. It's just the year, the school that I went to when I finished my first two years, and they had our department. They mm-hmm. had one person in there. So they were actually looking for somebody who can be in there. And I took, uh, maybe a one or two art classes, so that I can get some points. And I got A. Oh, um, and I thought, oh, well, hey, this is easy, and you know, it's just, being an art major sounds kind of fun. <laughs> well, the back then, I didn't know how hard it was to just get a job afterward. Yeah, yeah. So that was a throwback, but <laughs> it was accidental. I think that's that's what happens to
0: everybody who becomes an art major. Like, this sounds fun. And then reality hits after you graduate.
1: Yeah, it is fun, but then you can't really make any money.
0: Yeah. But you work sometimes as a storyboard artist. How did that happen?
1: Uh, Let me see. Either that I was hired to do some drawings for this particular productions for the horror movie. Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know if we really get paid that good on that one. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, I think it's like a word of the mouth. Uh, The people I used to work with, whenever they start working with a different production company, and they just call me up, and I think that's how it happened.
0: So just sort of fell into it. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, only thing
1: is, like, for some reason, the people always calling me or working for the horror movie, which I don't really like. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't really watch all the movies that I worked for. I just got the credit. Um, I read the script. Mm -hmm. I did the drawing,
0: and I gave it to them, and I don't really watch it. (laughs) What is it that you don't like about the horror movies?
1: Uh, The people's always screaming. (laughs) So, you know, when you're drawing pictures, it's like people screaming in a different way, different angle. Men screaming, women screaming, kids screaming. They all just everybody's getting killed. Yeah. So you know.
0: <laughs> Did you know that um, every year with Pretty Deadly, I we do a, a workshop with a horror film festival here in Berlin. We oh, do. <laughs> yeah, but what we do is we take scenes from horror movies and then we uh-huh. work out what the defense would be. Ah, uh, okay so it's the film festival is called final girls film fest uh-huh. um because yeah. you know the final girl who who survives or is killed in horror films uh-huh. um and it's focused on uh female produced uh horror movies okay. so it's really fun it's really really fun to watch these movies and look at these uh-huh. scenes and then work out what the what <laughs> the defense would be, but what's really remarkable is how much stabbing there is. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of stabbing.
1: Either yeah or yeah, you know,
0: people slashing each other all the time. Yeah, it's really so that yeah, the first one that we did, um, I was looking at classic, you know, just like horror classics, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And because oh, one, I, needed, I don't know how you can actually get out of it because you're in the dream. Yeah, well, that I only did that one for fun. I did like the scene with the where his claw hand comes up in the bathtub. You know, we did we focused on that a little bit because it was fun. Yay. But yeah, the rest of it, you know, you don't. I mean, you just stay awake, I guess that's your defense. But the which um, <laughs> is impossible. Yeah, right. But for yeah. the other ones, um, you know, like Scream and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. What I was looking for as I was putting these scenes together was some kind of variety. Because otherwise, it's always kind of a sort of the same kind of defense. Uh-huh. And it, I way. hadn't ever really watched all of these in a row before. So yeah. I hadn't looked at the fact that, you know, it's like it's all that basically everybody always gets stabbed. Yeah, they like
1: knives. They like machetes. I like to slash people.
0: They do like to slash people. But it was really yeah. frustrating because I was like, there's got to I mean, really, Is, there's got to be more ways to do this just because I want more ways to defend you know yeah
1: I know um, not much of a choice over there I don't know why yeah Yeah. Weird. horror movies are always kind of made for the audience between maybe 20 to 40s male yeah and then I guess like a bunch of people in that group just love to have knives in the movie I suppose
0: yeah it's not that much fun from a defense perspective and I guess from the storyboarding Perspective really. either. The one good thing is that I can always use the same prop. That's true. So when you're working on these storyboards, are you do you like kind of stand up and are you working with actors or are you imagining what the scene would be on your own?
1: Um, usually, when I do the job, they don't even know who is going to be playing what part. Mm-hmm. So usually, I work with either producers, or directors, or the writers. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I got to do is just read a script mm-hmm. and if directors, they have some time, they give me the shot the list mm-hmm. or they just pick the part that they want me to draw. And usually I start from there, but it really depends on your, um, how much they want to spend time on that part. Some directors love to work and have a meeting all the time too. This guy who lives just like only a few blocks away from where I live, used to have a meeting at Starbucks. And then he was really funny in a way, too, because he always kind of wanted to be the model. So, he's posing <laughs> for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, and then posing for me in the Starbucks. And I was just making the you know, pre- sketches or taking pictures and stuff, too.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: we didn't really order much coffee in there, either.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But they just let us stay for, like, about an hour, two hours. But, you know, some directors, they just don't want to spend too much time. They just uh, just do this part. Um, this is the kind of camera we're going to be using and just do the shot list will make the shot list of your own and if you don't like it, we just leave do the retake.
0: If you could work on any movie or any genre of movie, ideally, what would it be?
1: Um, I like comedy. Okay. And it is in a way easier if it's not slapsticks kind of stuff. We really stay in the room and talking to each other.
0: What about a martial arts movie? Wouldn't that be cool?
1: That would be kind of cool, too. But then in a horror movie, sometimes they want you to do some martial art kind of stuff, too. Oh, really? Which, yeah, with a knife.
0: Uh, yeah, of course. I was yeah, with a knife. Yeah. 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 Did, have you found that your martial arts training has been helpful to you as a storyboard artist?
1: Um, in a way, but then actually I kind of got carried away one time. When I was working on this movie and there were, there were uh, three bad guys who were attacking people all the time because of knives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of got into it too much, and the director kind of had to stop me, because I'm just making them
0: look good, attacking people. Oh, you were you yeah. were getting into their attacks.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was just getting too much in detail and make them look kind of cool instead of the people who are, you know, I'm supposed to be... you know
0: Sympathetic towards, yeah.
1: Yeah, the people who are being attacked uh-huh. and fighting back. Yeah, so... Oops. In a way, it did help, but then it, it, I just sent all the myself myself. You know, so.
0: Right. Right. Why do you think that was? Were you working on knife stuff in the dojo at that time?
1: Um, no, I think I just got carried away because they just gave me a, some freedom. Um oh. a I, you know, it, the sequence can be done in any way. And mm-hmm. if you have any martial art background, just use it and make it kind of cool. But then I just made it kind of cool to the bad guys.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Yeah, right. Because he really wasn't a <laughs> fighting back part yet.
0: Right. And also, they're the ones with the weapons. So, yeah. there's more yeah, stuff here. to do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You've trained with a lot of different kinds of weapons. Do you have a weapon that you particularly like, a favorite?
1: Um, maybe a stick.
0: The Hanbo or the Roshakubo?
1: Um, Any stick
0: any stick <laughs> because that's how badass you are <laughs> any stick any stick um, and i can turn it into a weapon no problem oh, any,
1: you know any stick that i can find
0: <laughs> do you still use ninjutsu in different aspects of your life do you feel or ninpo taijutsu whatever you want to call it i think i should mm-hmm.
1: but i don't know if i am right now i uh it's Especially those layer on the floor training we used to do or at least like stretching and all that. I, I think I should be doing it. Corvette and everything, I'm not really being active.
0: Yeah, I know. I should yeah. be doing it too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you and I haven't seen each other in a really long time and we haven't trained together in a really long time.
1: Yeah, I think last time maybe was some years ago, right?
0: Yeah, I would say. I mean, that's the last time I was living in the United States. Yep. If I were back again, mm-hmm. would you get on the mats with me? Uh, yeah, if you can find a place somewhere. All right. That'd be great. Okay, we have a date for the future. Hey. <laughs> Yay. <had fun. laughs> Do you still have your gi and everything?
1: Yeah, I think so somewhere in my closet.
0: All right. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, actually, I have two pairs. Yeah. Gave, me, yeah, gave me the extra. I think somebody left and uh, the, the, the person paid for the gi, but he didn't pick it up. Oh and I think that person was very small so you just and got an extra I think was key shortest one. yeah so I think I got the extra one somewhere
0: nice when you were training when you first started out your training in 91 you would have been the only woman at that time
1: oh actually there were two other people yeah i forgot the uh, one girl but then the other one that i used to work with was ruby okay she was i think she, i think she was either white belt with a black stripe mm-hmm. or maybe she was a green belt Okay. Well, that's a long time ago because that's when Ryan was in green belt and Alan had blue belt.
0: Alan had a blue belt. Gosh, that was a really long time ago.
1: That was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So the Ruby was the one that I think she was the one who was um, instructing me. And I think she stayed for good two or three years afterward. And then I think there was Jasmine. She used to be in the kids' class.
0: Yeah, I trained with Jasmine, too. When you were learning the names in Japanese, um, were they, did they make sense to you? Or did they, were they just like, who are these crazy people with these dumb names?
1: <laughs> Sensei Minch gave me a Japanese textbook. I think it was the only copy he had. So initially, I think he called, on my first day, he showed me the Japanese textbook and asked me, like, is this what really says in English version of it too? So I look at it and it was pretty much exactly the same thing.
0: Okay. So when you've been back to visit your family after you started training in NIMPO, did you tell them that you had started? And were they like, Mm -hmm. oh, did they reveal themselves as secret ninja all along like other people in your neighborhood?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, they said that you're just kidding, right? Oh, really? Yep. There are a few people still sticking to the training, but they don't really call it like ninjutsu. I think they probably just call it like taijutsu. Right. And I don't know. Maybe they're being
0: kind of secretive.
1: It's I never really heard of it.
0: Yeah, I think um I think when Hatsumi Sensei mm-hmm. started calling it um, ninjutsu, and then it became this big federation, and then Tanamura with Genbukan, and you know. Mm-hmm. I think that also turns some practitioners away from these kind of like categories mm-hmm. and went, cause I, I see more and more people actually just referring to it as Taijutsu.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Um, even, even, I mean, I know Sensei Minj started calling it that and then also to kind of separate himself from the Genbukan and and uh, Bunjinkan. Mm-hmm. But I, I've started to see that, Elsewhere as well, you know, as I travel around and I meet other martial artists, Mm -hmm. um, I see more and more people who seem to just prefer calling it taijutsu. Mm -hmm. And my feeling, I've never really asked, actually, but my feeling is that it's to, to separate from the big federations.
1: Maybe. Well, to be honest with you, I never, ever heard of Genbukan or Bujinkan before I joined the Yamato Dojo.
0: Right.
1: I have no idea who they were. Right. Yeah, and the, uh, the ninjutsu is a word that you probably just only hear from TV. On right. the TV show or the cartoon or the movie. So it just sounded so unrealistic to me. Yeah, so the people who were practicing something like that, I think they call it kobu- kobujutsu, which means like old practice or something. So, yeah, it's just like Inibo or ninjutsu is just like really out there. It was really incredible because I've mean, really never seen it.
0: So when you saw the Nimpo Bugai Dojo, uh-huh. what did you think of when you when you saw those words? Did you think of taijutsu or did you know that it was what it is that we practice?
1: Oh, um, you know what to be? Well, uh, actually, I didn't really think it was a real dojo. Just like <laughs> thought it was myself, a Chinese you know, restaurant. <laughs> yeah, like a Chinese restaurant. kind of. <laughs> and then I thought maybe this is like some sort of an amusement park and kind a of theme park. <laughs> or maybe they do the kids birthday party.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Chucky cheese sort of that's how unreal that was to me.
0: <laughs> Chucky cheese. <G's.
1: laughs> well, you know, you know, it's just like out of nowhere it's just nimbo an and Ninjutsu. Yeah, like, yeah why?
0: Yeah, I get yeah. it. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. It's interesting to get that perspective. I remember you told me when we were training together once, um, you were doing translations for the Los Angeles um, County Court.
1: Oh, right. Um, it's actually a immigration court.
0: The immigration court. OK. Yeah. And you, I think we had been training a lot of um, like Uke okay on our arms. Mm hmm. And you told me that you would come from work, you know, uh, maybe you'd come train to train directly after work or something. But you told me that in court, after this one court session, the judge like pulled you aside and was like, do you do you want to talk about something? Because they thought (laughs) they saw they saw the bruises on your arms and they were like,
1: (laughs) yeah, that's right. They thought that I was in trouble.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. After the session, I I was taken to their uh, judge's office. And I I don't even remember it was he or she, but uh uh-huh. and bailiff and everybody was around me and says, Okay, we're not gonna be forcing you to talk about this thing, but if you do, we are always here to help you. <laughs> and I had no idea what they're talking about.
0: <laughs> How did you yeah. figure it out? Did they did they ask you about the bruises or uh no, they just look at my arms. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and then, Oh, shoot. Yes, I do have some bruises all over, but that's not from um, getting beaten up or anything. In a right. way, it was because I was I wasn't training, but
0: right, right, right. No, right. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought that was really funny, but also really lovely that they cared so much. I know. I that mean, that's nice that they wanted yeah. to do a martial arts intervention. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's a, it was also funny to me because when we start training a lot. Um, yeah. You know, of course, we get covered in bruises. After a while, you you get used to the feeling of it. So it's not a big deal anymore. But then also after a while, you kind of just don't even notice. It's like not a big deal, you know?
1: Yeah, it's just like our, the fun of life now. So Right. So you but walk I'm around with
0: blue and yellow. Well, yeah, me too. But, you know, like you yeah. walk around with these bruises and you're like, what bruises? And yeah, not so not you know, really realizing yeah. how other people are perceiving it.
1: Yeah, after that oh. I became really careful. I was always wearing long sleeve afterward.
0: Yeah, I like right now, right? Yeah,
1: I know, I, yeah I just make sure.
0: Things that martial artists and junkies yeah. have in common.
1: All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bruises.
0: Cover up the marks. That's a terrible yeah. thing to say, probably. But <laughs> so, but what I wanted to talk to you about as well is the wonderful work you've been doing for Pretty Deadly with the Warrior Woman series.
1: Oh well, thank you for the opportunity too. I've been having so much fun.
0: What have you enjoyed about it so far?
1: Well, just because I get to draw really cool, strong women.
0: True. Are yeah. you doing Are you doing your own research in in addition to the like little bios that I send you?
1: Um, yeah, that I do some research and see if I can find more information here and there. Uh-huh. Sometimes I do the research work in Japanese or maybe some Spanish, although I, I can't really read it. Uh-huh. So I can do the Google translation, just to see if there's any different perspective that they have.
0: Right. Have you found yeah. any?
1: Um, in the French site, sometimes they have something kind of interesting, a little bit more
0: detailed information, it feels like. Right. Oh, that's really fascinating, though. Yeah. And you've done a great job of finding the weapons that a lot of these women used.
1: <laughs> I'm trying my best. But the good thing is that I do have a big file
0: of knives uh-huh. and stuff and it's <laughs> from the because from the, the horror movies. films <laughs> yep <laughs> that's kind of funny yep and i've been pulling <laughs> those information from my file <laughs> so <laughs> a horror indie. yeah absolutely well you know why not if you've got it you might as well yep. use it yep. yeah do you have a favorite warrior woman that you've done so far um uh, let's see I'm, I I like
1: all of them, and some people I just never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Who was my favorite? There are some a few people there that I didn't know about, and I was very, very interested. It's just because that I it just you don't really hear about those women at all, right? Right. Yeah. The one that I really
0: got me interested was a queen nanny. Right. Yeah. She was fascinating.
1: Yeah, the Queen Annie, I think I've heard of the name maybe once or twice before, Mm -hmm. but not much in detail. I mean, the Queen Annie sounds like uh, somebody's grandma, kind of. Right. So I
0: really didn't pay too much attention to it before. Right. But then when you read about it, it's really interesting. Right. I think one of the things I, what I liked about Queen Annie and and quite a few of the other women, Mm
1: -hmm. um, especially
0: women who were rulers um mm-hmm. is their their strategy like a lot of these women had like amazing strategy that they implemented and then a couple of them i can't remember which ones exactly cuz cause I, cuz cause i do cuz i research all of them before i send them to you guys um but a couple of them were also incredibly progressive about women's rights yeah and then
1: think about the, the time that they lived right i mean <laughs> yeah
0: Right, some of them from you know from like you know one hundred a d or something and and yeah. women who were making sure that the women that they were protecting were had um, land rights or inheritance mm-hmm. rights, mm-hmm. that men were punished for raping women. Mm-hmm. um it just it's it's really fascinating, like how progressive what we yeah. think is progressive. Um, Some of these women were and how like firm they were in the sense of like, you know, giving full rights to women and girls that and not actually caring, just like taking it from what didn't exist before and granting it to them. It's 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 really fascinating because we have so much so much of history is told through, you know, these uh, male perspective. And that land rights were masculine and and family lineages are masculine or patrilineal and, you know, ownership and and all of this stuff. And so many women actually turn that on its head. Yeah. And when you think about it, it's like 50 percent of the population are women. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. In the history book, the only thing that we really learn about, I think, I got to say, like 80 percent of it, it's just like men. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, not exactly. A, not a, not a really really good, good, interesting one either.
0: They just happened to be there. Right. Well, right. But I mean, it's interesting because women happen to be there too, you know, but yeah, we but don't get, we don't more. get there. But yeah, I mean, like, like what you're doing with these, um, with these illustrations, when you're researching them and researching different languages to get more details, it's not easy to get information on a lot of these women. No, not really. It's, yeah, you really have to dig sometimes. Yep. It's and and it's such a pity because some of the women that I've read about in the Warrior Woman series, um, especially with their diplomacy, strategy, negotiation skills, and and the granting of rights or preserving of rights for people, mm. is there's a lot to be learned actually. Yeah. There are some structures that are just really, um, really strong and fantastic structures that then were often wiped out because of colonialism or, you know, some other dumb man thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like the year that lady, Muhu Muhu Musa. Right. I never heard of her before. Right. Yeah. Or it, it could have been like maybe just not only her, but then a bunch of other people.
0: It's really frustrating. You know, because then you also wonder, like, how many more? When uh, Nanya, who was doing the illustrations before you, um she did an illustration for, of course, now I can't remember her name, the most famous female Japanese warrior. I don't know how to pronounce her name. tomoe Gozen? tomoe Gozen. Ah, uh, right. She, from from my perspective, as an American woman now living in Germany, when I look up Um, Japanese, like female Japanese warriors, it's basically Tomoe and and like one other person, as though they're Mm. the only ones that ever existed. But when I was doing research on um, not Tomoe but on another one, sorry, on another one, um, I learned that there were actually like hundreds of, if not thousands of female warriors in Japan who were fighting on the battlefields alongside men.
1: Yeah, then sometimes maybe not by choice
0: yeah sometimes not by choice and and definitely there was women of course who were responsible for um defending the home or the fort or you know when men mm-hmm. were off at war if mm-hmm. somebody else pressed through and attacked the the sort of like land holding, then women were responsible for defending that and were yeah. also trained warriors because of that, you know, out of need yeah. and it was it was really surprising to me that it the that all of this has been reduced to basically two women hmm you know? think it that way yeah yeah it's weird or like you know the the disney movie mulan of the the chinese warrior princess
1: uh-huh.
0: um again there were actually female there were full female armies in china
1: oh yeah yeah they yeah they actually did
0: i remember that I yeah know well. yeah like mulan wasn't actually the only one you know, no, so there it's, were many after and before her too. Yeah, exactly. So and the idea that women have been forming armies um, and militias for which have who have been very, very powerful um, mm-hmm. for thousands and thousands of years that somehow <laughs> we don't get to hear about. <laughs> yeah, pretty much got you raised out. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. there's these two Japanese women, this one Chinese woman, a bunch of Africans nobody's ever heard of, and then some Amazons who aren't even real, even though, and then some Native America. It's like a rare. It's presented as this rare thing, female yeah. warriors, but actually, um, I think we've both learned that there's been a, there's it's like pretty equal.
1: Well, when you talk about Japan I and mean, what well, that's what the Naginata was for. It was the uh, the weapon that the women can use, too, and they were trained to do so. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I think even back in the days in in the the school for the girls, they used to train the girls for that. Oh. Well, that's what I heard from my grandma, but I'm not really too sure. Oh, okay. Well, she said she
0: didn't really like it, so... She said she, did, she didn't like it? No. <laughs> That's convenient. When you're like, show me your Naganato moves. No, I didn't really like it.
1: <laughs> no, she said it was painful. Painful? Yeah, painful. It was just like, you have to be sitting down a lot, too, and they are going to uh-huh. be hitting your shin. All right. a lot. Even with the shin it was really painful. Okay. Yeah, so
0: she didn't like it. She didn't right. take
1: it, so she, did take, she didn't take a class, but that was it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's interesting though i didn't know that but then your mother didn't have that same training that was already gone by the time she was in school as like a yeah, normal I think thing it was
1: gone. i think it was gone plus my mom yeah. didn't really like sports that much oh, okay yeah but uh my uncle used to train in karate uh-huh. and he had four kids and all the kids had a training too and i think the best one so far was one of his daughters right because so she didn't right. really carry on but she actually had the, I think she became the best in the dojo. Nice. Yeah. Yes. But then She got yeah. busy with other things. So she just left,
0: but I'm pretty sure it's just still staying with her. Right. Well, I think it stays with you, your training. <laughs> I mean, that's what I discover when, um, when I'm teaching self-defense. And if someone joins pretty deadly, and I usually ask people, have you had any martial arts training before? Just so I usually, because I want to know what to look for. And often people will say, like, yeah, I took a couple of judo classes or something as a kid, but I don't remember any of it. And then we start doing strikes. And those are the strikes that come out. Uh, you know, so it's I do like, remember. Yeah, the like remembers. the body remembers, which I think is really interesting. You know, even just from like one or two classes when you're like 12 mm-hmm. years old, they still re- they are still doing like karate style strikes mm-hmm. or they're doing some kind of taekwondo thing or whatever it is that they've learned. It's still there uh-huh. in the body. Yeah. Fascinating.
1: Yeah. I think the younger, the better.
0: Yeah, that I do, too. With you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that being said, you know, I'm I'm I started uh, NIMPO when I was 32. I mean, granted, I still train, but I feel like it stays with me. Oh, yeah, because
1: you've been very diligent. You were always at the dojo, too.
0: That's true. I yeah, was. You're always
1: in, yeah, in every class that I went to, you were always there.
0: Well, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, when, it was good.
1: When, yeah, when I got busy and I didn't go for a few months, and then I come back and you're always there.
0: Yep. I was there ready to, ready to welcome you back. You are a legend, <laughs> by the way. There's a lot of women that joined after you stopped coming more regularly. And a lot of women who joined just as I was moving out of Los Angeles or who have joined afterwards. And I know because, um, because I was the first woman to uh, you know, pass my, my uh, instructor's test, they had heard about me, mm-hmm. but they've actually all heard about you too why well partly because i tell them
1: oh <laughs> okay okay yeah, but, but partly I, I because But <laughs> just <laughs> cracking the joke about me about like um uh, me having a double joint
0: yeah well that's what i tell them too about how 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 that i'm not uh, bending in the way that i'm not really supposed to be Yeah, exactly. But how great that was for training and that, you know, my measurement was always, if I could, if I could get this to work, whatever the technique is on Miwa, then I know (laughs) that I've got, I've mastered it, basically.
1: Well, for the record, I wasn't the only one. Dan had a double joint too. Yeah, I know, but you were. He was going the opposite way. And then I think we just ended up being a partner meantime, just because of that. That's nobody (laughs) wanted to work with us, I suppose. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I do know that the cha- the challenge was always really great because it was like, you know, you really have to be precise. And because you very naturally move, you kind of just flowed with all the movements. So to get you to stop flowing was also a big challenge, you know, like to get you to stop moving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I probably that's just my nature. I don't want to fight back.
0: Yeah, I know. But it was brilliant. I mean, I really learned a lot from you and I learned a lot from that approach. So, yeah, so most of the women now, have, they know about you, partly because of me. But I think also <laughs> just partly because you're you're a great martial artist and there weren't that many women when I joined. Um, and as you experienced, you know, like when you joined, there were some women there and then they left, like not a lot of women stuck around.
1: No, um, for the younger ones, I guess, when well, they once they get married and they had kids,
0: yeah, they do not have
1: time anymore. Or um some just moved away. Yeah. And many times I think it's just uh the kids.
0: Yeah, possibly. So
1: interesting. Yeah. I mean it's only like an hour or two hours per day, or maybe even per week. But then just couldn't score anybody to babysit.
0: Yeah, I think it's also just I think some people feel like that's that's for this particular period in their life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, or that, you know, it's like, well, now I've, you know, I've done this aspect of martial arts and that's Mm -hmm. okay. And it's answered something in me. And now I'm focused on this other thing, which I think is great. What I wish is that if people can recognize where the training has stayed with them Mm -hmm. and how that might inform whatever it is they're doing now would be such a wonderful thing, especially for women, to see what benefits we get out of martial arts other than just like punching and kicking
1: oh yeah you know the favorite part
0: hmm. breaking fingers <laughs> <laughs> that, I love that that, that wasn't the, that wasn't the point I was trying to make yeah I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> After we ended our interview, Miwa reminded me of her official rank in our ninpo bugai system, which our school marks by the color of our belts. Technically, I outrank her, but the truth is, she's been training longer than me, she has a deeper understanding than I do, and frankly, she's just better than I am. Also, she grew up ninja-adjacent. Our teacher, Sensei Chad Minj, used to tell us that the belt is just a piece of cloth that helps us identify where someone is on the path. Miwa embodies this spirit more than any other martial artist I know. She trains for the pure joy of it, only for herself, and the measurement of her progress has nothing to do with belts or tests or certificates or ranks, but simply by the way the art makes her feel. But she's also a badass. You can see Miwa's warrior women illustrations on Pretty Deadly's social media. We post a new illustration every Wednesday, and Miwa will take us to the end of the year helping us learn about real women in history who were warriors, strategists, diplomats, and queens. Check it out on our Instagram at Pretty Deadly Official and our Pinterest at Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. We've only got two more episodes left for this year, and to ring out 2020 on a high note, we're bringing you a special two-part interview with my teacher, Chadwick Minch. Chad has been in martial arts for sixty years and counting, and he shares his journey, his wisdom, and his learnings from a lifetime of martial arts. Be sure to tune in for part one next week. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program based in Berlin, but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in Europe and around the world. If you want to join us just to take a course, or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at PrettyDeadlySelfDefense.com or find us through our app. Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Golick, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.